This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so, so grateful that you are here today. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I want to say a big thank you to Lauren Flores and Emma Benner for taking over last week. I know they both did an amazing job. Thank you, Matt Yano, for being the guest as well. I so enjoyed just listening to that episode as one of the listeners. Hey, I have to tell you about the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit that is coming up. My good friend, Matt Chittam, who is so invested in this running community, has put together the most amazing virtual summit. When he called me with the idea for this thing, all I could say was, I bow down because this is incredible. This is amazing. And he has put so much hard work and passion into this project. Okay, listen, this is a virtual summit. It has 23 of the most accomplished people in the running community covering a wide range of specific topics from injury to goal setting to pushing past your limits. There are live question and answer sessions with the most impactful speakers for this summit. They have nightly recaps with Carolyn Sue, who is the founder of Diverse We Run, and Matt. You get lifetime access to all the videos. So even if you can't show up when it's happening, you get lifetime access. And I should mention, when is it happening? It is live January 15th through the 17th, 2021. Don't forget, you get lifetime access to all the videos. And this is a summit for runners of all ability levels. I cannot even believe how much information is being given in this summit for only $150. And you all can save $25 when you use my promo code, which is HEIN, H-E-I-N. Uh, get signed up today. You are going to hear from David Roach, Megan Roach, Mary Johnson, who, by the way, is the guest on this episode today, uh, Jason Fitzgerald, and so many amazing human beings who are invested in the running community who can help you reach your goals in 2021. Um, so yeah, this is a virtual summit. The cost is 150 bucks. You can save 25 when you use the code Hine. The link to that will be in my show notes, lindsayhine.com. You can also visit theramblingrunner.com slash summit. Don't forget to use that code Hine to get set up and I will, I will see you there because I'm going to attend it as well. All right. This episode is 288 and I'm talking with my friend, Mary Johnson. She is the founder and coach at Lift, Run, Perform. She has been on this podcast before. I'm going to look it up right now. She was episode 45 way back in the day, January 2017. And then she came on uh, in April of 2018 and we talked about the Boston Marathon. I, I vaguely remember that conversation. April 2018, her and Michelle Gonzalez came on to talk about Michelle's training for Boston. I think that's what it was. Wait, she was also on December 7th, 2017. She did a holiday edition episode with me back in the day. So I guess this is Mary's fourth time on the podcast. And she's also been on Patreon a few times as well. So definitely a favorite over here. Mary recently ran an 1835K and we talk about her 
journey to getting to that place because she's had to take a lot of time off for a back injury, having a baby. And we talk a lot about strength training in this episode, the benefits of that, how you can start strength training in your own life from home. And we also get to hear a little bit about her relationship with her coach, David Roach at Some Work All Play. All right. And before we get started talking to Mary, I want to make sure that you guys go out and grab yourself a pair of Gooder shades for the holidays. They have all kinds of fun styles and designs for Christmas and Hanukkah. And of course, my favorite all-time pair is the Amelia Earhart Ghosted Me shades. They are aviator style. I love the PBR shades as well, and I'm definitely going to be rocking the Christmas shades here this month. This is a great gift idea for any of your running friends in your life, a stocking stuffer idea for your significant other, and I mean, honestly, just a good gift for yourself, right? These sunglasses are durable, they're inexpensive, and they're real cute. They don't slip around when you run either. So go to gooder.com and use the code another and you'll get 15% off your order with Gooder. All right, friends, thank you so much for being here today. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mary Johnson. All right, everybody. I am pumped to have my friend Mary Johnson back on the show today. Welcome to the podcast, Mary. Thank you. It's great to be here again. It feels so official talking to you on the podcast because we're actually <laughs> like really good friends in real life. I know. I know. Well, and the last time, so we talked right after, right before Lauren and I did Project Sub 3. Yep. And then I don't think you and I have done this in a while, right? Right. And that was on Patreon. So like I actually, yeah. I think you've been on Patreon multiple times but I think this might this might be your third time on the show because we did a holiday episode one time with all of us girls that are right, right. on that group text together. So uh, you have a lot going on, though, and you're running insanely fast. So I thought this would be kind of a fun, casual, low-key catch-up with, with you today. So thanks for doing it. Yeah, excited to talk about it. Well, let's just start in case there are new listeners that – we're hanging out here back on episode 46. I think that you were in the 40s. It's probably a totally different conversation then. Um, actually, it was. Mary, you mm-hmm. had not started your business yet when you first Mm-mm. came on the podcast. Yeah, I didn't have a child. I didn't have a business. I was had not yet gone through my crazy back injury. So it's been a while. So Mary is the owner, founder and coach at Lift, Run, Perform. And how many coaches do you guys have on now? 10, myself included. And then Heather Kaplan is our team dietitian. Okay, I want to start by saying I love that you have a team dietitian. That is so important. Mm, Absolutely. And I think, um, I mean, what I've learned through coaching and just I guess life in general is that there's certainly never a one size fits all dietitian either. Um, and I think one thing that we just emphasize in general with our athletes is we have someone who's available to you. She's fantastic. She's so smart. She's so good at what she does. Um, but if that isn't the best fit for you, investigating and going down your own nutrition journey is really important as an athlete. Well, and that's the other really cool thing with 10 coaches, not every coach is perfect for every athlete. Exactly. Yeah. I get to play matchmaker matchmaker a little bit when it comes to matching up athletes and coaches. I have a pretty good track record. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I think ultimately 
in my biggest concern as a business owner is just making sure that all of our main philosophy and core value is aligned. And that is being that we value the runner as a human first and foremost, not their results, their speed or anything else. So them just as a whole person and then family and health is always number one. And then of course, results and fast times come with that. And typically the fast times and results come when everything else is kind of matching up well. Um, but all of us have our own different style, so to speak, in terms of how to periodize. Although I will say most of us have gone through very similar training methodologies. Like we've done the VO, uh, VDOT um, training cert. Some of us have done the RCA. Some have done the USATF. So we've all, you know, learned the basics. We've all been through our own stuff personally as well. But, you know, the most important thing, and I think that goes for coaching in general, is just that we all believe in the human as the athlete. And that's most important. Uh, you are the person who told me about VDOT back in the day <laughs> and you changed my life because I coach like a very small handful of athletes and VDOT is amazing. Yeah, I, we, you know, we're still on VDOT. Um, they, at this point, um, Brian, the, one of the guys who works closely with Dr. Daniels is, has become like a great connection of mine. Um, and I really respect what they've done to keep the platform evolving as technology evolves. Mm -hmm. If we give him feedback, it's either, okay, we'll, we'll try to get that done with this upload, or we're going to put it on the list of like improvements to make. So all things considered, like they've come, I mean, again, we talked three, four years ago and Vida didn't even have GPS upload then. (laughs) So it's crazy. So they are, they're really responsive and I, we've been really happy with them. So do you require all of your coaches to use that platform? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I provide that, um, as like the, the, oh, the, head you have of, like the team account or something. No, each one has their own, but I'm the one who basically like funds it all. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, no one's ever said, I don't want to use it. We've had discussions about um, other ones that are out there. Final Surge is one, Training Peace is one. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, whenever we have a, an issue with VDOT and we are communicative with them about it, they're pretty responsive. So we've been, you know, it's also technology. Nothing's going to be perfect. So it's been all right. You know, and again, like if it works 99% of the time, like, it's pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, let's talk about when Instagram goes down for like an hour every like two months. The world stops. Uh, I've recently been in talks with them and they're doing some like rebranding and stuff on their on their end. So that'll be cool to see what they end up doing. Yeah, they they also I recently was on a um, coaching call with Dr. Daniels about a week or two ago where we had a Q&A, like it was a 60 minute Q&A session um, with 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 him right there. And he's just, I mean, he's such a legend. He's just an incredible coach. He has so much experience and knowledge. And I, I saw him in person um, during, during my VDOT certification course in Boston a few years ago. Um, and it's just, he's incredible. I think he's in his late seventies. Yeah. And he's like ticking along, just like kicking ass. So I, I know mean, yeah. I need to have him on the podcast. Yeah, you should. That would be really interesting. He's such a smart guy. Yeah. Okay, Mary. So your personal story, we're going to talk about coaching a little bit, but I want to hit your personal story because I think that social media makes running look really (laughs) glamorous for some people, right? (laughs) Like you see people running all fast in their sports bras and everybody's (laughs) having a great day. And you have been through like 
a lot. You have been through a lot over the past, what, six, seven years? I mean, I'm trying to think when you ran your, is your PR 307? 306. 306. Okay. I knew it was like 306 to 308 range. What year was that? Well, the 306 was 2016. Um, and so four years ago, and then before that was two, two consecutive Boston's of 308. So I basically, I mean, the synopsis of my evolution was just, um, signed up for a marathon, ran my first one in 344 and then was like, Oh, let's see the next year. I said, let's get a coach and see if I can go a little bit faster. I did. I ran a 336 and then I took a year off because I got married. And then the year after that, I went all in and I was like, I'm going to, I really want to qualify for Boston. I'm going to train for six months. I'm going to really just trust this coach. And I ran a 323. And after that, it was like, you know, do you want to continue this lifestyle of being all in? Meaning just like (laughs) what I historically had done was stepped away from running, you know, partied a little too much. I was living in New York City at the time, so partied a little bit too much. And I said, no, I think this, I I had completely changed my lifestyle in the six months leading to that 323. And so I was like, no, let's keep going. And so one full, like full circle, 12 months of consistent training, I ran that 308 when we met Mm -hmm. in Boston 2014, so the year after the bombings. And then- Well, that was the first time we met in person. I know it's crazy, crazy to think about that. Um, and then I ran another three out three oh eight the next year and then through six the year after that. And, um, yeah, you know, I really feel like, I feel like we've like grown up together in this space mm-hmm. because in that year, like 2014, whenever that was, it's like, that was before, well, that was certainly before podcasts. I don't even know if I had an Instagram. I think I had an Instagram account. Yeah. You but did. Yeah. Okay. Like a small, yeah. Like, is it weird that I'm, I say that with conviction? I'm like, you definitely did. I was stalking you. But it wasn't as much as of part of, of our lives. And I certainly didn't know nearly as many people. Yeah. You know, like the community of people that we have been able to get to know through online has, has just been pretty, it's been pretty cool. Um, but that mm-hmm. feels worlds away in 2014. Okay. I want to walk back quick what who was that first coach um it was his name was josh and he was um involved with one of the like new york city running clubs that i was involved with yeah so when i lived in new york city i was back in the age of if anyone listening to this like was around on the social internet (laughs) twitter geez i know hey dude i am still hardcore twitter just so you know so I was noticing that people were tweeting and being like, I'm going to Central Park. And I had no friend. I, let's, I, let's be honest. Like I had no friends running or regular. <laughs> at that. I had just, I mean, in all seriousness, I graduated from college and was kind of like floating around in New York City, you know. Um, and so I was like, hey, like, does anyone want to meet up in Central Park with me? And I got connected with his group. And I, again, have some long-term friends. Some don't live in New York anymore. But, like, because of that time in my life of meeting up with people in New York City and Central Park and Josh, and he headed up um, Gotham City Rudders. So I was part of that for a little while. And, yeah, that was, like, the beginning, my intro to running. And Josh really did a – he was so important for that part of my life. 
Yeah, it's interesting those people that taught you those very first things that you needed to know to mm-hmm. get faster and to understand how running really works and how that those first lessons really stick with you. Yeah, and you know, it, it you learn a little bit from each coach and that's something I've been through a few coaches in my personal life and I think that's I've learned from each one and I try to always have something positive to take away from each experience. So something I try to do with my own professional coaching as well, because hell, when I started running, I was not a running coach. I was literally working in the fashion industry. So a lot has changed, but, um, in terms of, of learning, I mean, that's just kind of the main theme of coaching. Like if you think you know it all, then, or if anyone listening talks to a coach and they think they know it all, then run far away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I also loved when you were kind of breaking down those years. I love that you said I took a year off to get married Mm -hmm. because I think when we see progress, we don't want to stop or we don't want to take breaks. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool that you recognize that so long ago. Like I'm getting married this year. Like that's going to be my priority. Well, it was during, I, I still think two marathons a year is a lot. It's really hard on the body. Um, and so that was, I had only been running, um, fall marathons up until that point. And so I got married in September. And so I was like, well, there's no time to get married or to, to there's no time to get married. There's no time <laughs> to get for a marathon. <laughs> um, so, but, but I will say after, after I got married, then I saw people that I had been training with BQ and I was like, Ooh, I want to do that next. And so that's, that's when I trained for, so like got married and then trained for my, the BQ, which was a spring marathon. So, Yeah. So it was 2016 that you ran that 306. And since then, we've had injuries, we've had babies, we've had lots of time to strength train and build in other areas of your life. Like, not just your strength training, like you're building your body, but you've built your business, you've built a family. Like, there's so many other things in your life that you've built up when you haven't been chasing down these fast times. But Mm One thing, and I've, I've mentioned this to you in our friend group text is one thing I, I admire about you so much is that when you've had these personal times in your life where you can't be chasing fast times because you have other things going on, um, you just pour into your athletes and your community and you get to see people accomplishing really big goals. I wonder, is it, was it ever hard to think, ah, I wish that could be me? I think in the beginning of the injury, um, so to back step for those listening that don't know what I'm talking about, I, after what we're talking about, so after this 2016 year of running, I was kind of just running through, I never ran through pain, but just there, there was something that did not feel right. Like in the, I'll say posterior chain. So like from my hips down on the backside of my body, Um, and ultimately it was a like disc slash SI joint slash hamstring thing. It truly never really got diagnosed, but I went through a long, um, journey of injections and physical therapy and PRP and ultimately, um, got it somewhat under control. Then it flared back up during pregnancy and then, which Lindsay, I guess we'll get into, um, like strength training is ultimately what really has been the the final solution for me. And that's, you know, obviously not a medical or not, not medicated. So I feel really happy with, with where it is now. Um, but in terms of like pouring 
life into other people. I think in the beginning I was actually so burned out Mm. that no, I was like, no, I want to pour myself into other people because I'm just freaking tired Mm -hmm. and overtrained. And I just like was ready for a break. And, you know, eventually I was ready for it to be my turn. And then Mm -hmm. it sucks to not have it, have you have, have your body cooperate when you're ready for that to happen. Um, but I don't know. I really, I love coaching and I love, this is what I was supposed to do in life. And so it's, I, I, my own, I'm able to kind of compartmentalize my own stuff with other people. And while there are certainly times in my coaching where I can say, look, I don't like to compare or like bring my own example into this light, but if it's beneficial for the athlete or it's something that's relatable or something that would help the athlete, then I'll talk about something that I went through that is relatable. So um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it got tough towards the end. Um, especially I would say postpartum when everything's hard yeah. <laughs> and, and I just wanted to feel better and run. So, um, but that said, like I was able, because I didn't spend time training myself, I was able to coach other people and have these really cool goals and see things happen that were just incredible. And people that, you know, that, I'm now great friends with because of the relationships that I've had through coaching. So like Michelle, for example, that's, that only would have happened if she reached out to me to ask to support her with coaching. So stuff like that is just such a benefit and a reward of this business and this, like what I do. I have just loved watching you flourish in this. I mean, seriously, it's been so cool to see this start from the ground up. I I feel like I remember sitting what what year did you what year did you launch lift run perform 2017 yeah I feel like I remember like sitting on my bed or I don't know where I was but I remember when you announced that you were you were (laughs) launching your business and and to see all that's happened in the last three years is so cool now with the strength training let's go there because I have watched you build I have watched you lift and lift (laughs) heavy and as someone who is always focused on running, I'm super intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. I, I've been lifting more than I ever have now, right now in my life. But man, you lift heavy and you know what you're <laughs> doing. So share with us how your passion for the lift part even began. Well, I started interning. So I, I work now behind the scenes at a small boutique facility. Um, and when I say boutique, I just mean like we do semi-private training. It isn't like a Planet Fitness type of gym. Um, so we did semi-private training and I started interning there. So when I had my career shift in 2015, I started from the very bottom and I landed an internship here and I knew nothing. I knew that I wanted to coach and help people. That's it. And I didn't know what that meant. And I had people honestly in the industry be like, oh, it's hard. You're going to have to hustle. You're going to hate it. You're not going to sleep. You're going to have to work so hard. And I mean, I'm fueled by that. So I was like, all right. Um, and when I, I just remember one of the first days of my internships, literally going around the gym and my mentor was like, well, do you know how to do this? And I was like, no. (laughs) So I learned from the very bottom. No, I, you know, I lifted, I rode crew in college. So I knew quote unquote some things, um, but I didn't know anything. So when I just showed up every day in my internship, eager to learn. Um, and then I incorporated lifting kind of with my running. Like I think like many runners do, I kind of lifted. I went through phases where I was more into it. Um, and then 
you know, I coached it, right? So I was on the floor and one of the things that this gym really prides itself on and my boss, his name is Mike, um, is really impeccable form and really just quality over quantity and just being really damn good and athletic at what you're doing. So, you know, I would be on the floor working and like if Mike, he's got windows in his, he's kind of got this like bird's nest office. And if, if he looked down and I was coaching someone who looked like crap, like I would get it, you know? So I really, it's a very cutthroat competitive. Um, like these are, these are hardcore strength and conditioning guys. And, um, I, I'm very much an underdog particularly being a female. Um, and that's something I've always been really cognizant about, but, and intimidating and intimidated for sure. But again, like I think I've grown because of putting myself into situations that made me uncomfortable. And when I didn't know something, I said, I don't know what that is. And I didn't feel stupid about it. I just said, yeah, I don't, I don't know what this word is, or I don't know what this means. And I like, I'm eager to learn. So, um, so I would show up to things like seminars and like half of the science jargon, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? And you just have to learn like, I, and for sure, I am still an underdog in the strength and conditioning world. Um, but I'm still eager to learn. I'm still eager to get there. And that's, you know, when you say, yeah, you're lifting heavy and you know what you're doing. It's, I don't, I, I kind of know what I'm doing, you know, like I'm still learning, I'm still getting there. Um, but the, the forum part is something that was really drilled into my head by my mentors and my boss. And that's what I did. I coached people on really good form. And so when it comes to my own stuff, when I finally was postpartum in pain, my doctor had told me not to go down the path of injections yet. He said, no, you need to get strong first. And I was so mad. But I went to Mike, my boss, and I never asked him for anything before. And I said, Mike... I'm in pain. My back hurts. I was three months postpartum at this point, three to four. And I was just like, if you can't help me, no one can, because he is, he's so smart. He's so good at what he does. Um, he's pretty well known in the strength and conditioning world. Um, he's done like he, he hosts his own seminars, you know, like he will speak and teach. Um, and I, and I said, I have never asked you for help. Can you help me get out of pain? And he said, sure. And so now it's not just me doing the workouts. It's like, I need to not waste Mike's time. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's mm -hmm. become a point of like, someone is investing his time in me. So I need to show up and just mm -hmm. do the work. So started with his plans back last October, November. And, you know, I would say I worked through some pain, um, back injuries. And I think chronic injuries are really interesting because you kind of work through a little bit of pain to get out of it eventually. Um, so it certainly was a test of like, all right, this movement will flare up my back a little bit, but let me rest recover. And maybe next time I do it, I'll be okay. Um, and I just kind of started from the ground up with the foundation that I had learned from coaching myself on the floor. And, um, yeah, I mean, fast forward. So I would say it took about, um, like I certainly was not always lifting heavy. My first, like I go back to videos that I took about a year ago and I'm lifting like half the weight. And it really came from showing up consistently, listening and reeling it in when it didn't feel good. Um, and just communicating with Mike about how things were going. We have, I'm actually talking to him on Thursday to talk about like what's next. And, um, I'm, it, 
like having him on my side has been just incredible. And he's a mentor, not just from like a business and boss perspective, but now as a coach from a coach perspective. And I feel really thankful because he's, he's an incredible strength and conditioning coach. So he built you a program that was very specific to your postpartum and your injuries. Yeah. But I will say now that, so yes, the answer is yes. But I will say now that I, um, have, have done his programming for, you know, 12 months, a lot of it was really just needing to build up strength in general, mm-hmm. you know? So like the first program I did postpartum wasn't something he made for me. The first, my first postpartum program was just like a basic, like 101, um, what we called in the gym, like a fat loss program. It was just like a basic program. Um, and then when I went to him, from like a more of a rehabby perspective, um, I said I had a gait consultation. We identified that I had some anti-rotation issues, which again, most runners do. Um, and like all the themes for runners are pretty consistent. Anti-rotation, a weak posterior chain, weak core, especially just having a baby. Um, so having said those things to Mike, he built the plan around that. And knowing that like I have a a back and could benefit a bad back and could benefit from X, Y, Z in particular. Okay. So when a, and a, when a client comes to you and based on all of your experience with all this is your first process that you go through it, evaluating, do you do strength training? Mm-hmm. We're going to start mm-hmm. with strength training. Do you, do you have your clients start with a good strength training base before you build up their mileage? Yeah, well, it so depends. I do, I do offer just like a monthly program, and that's under the assumption that runners just should lift something. Yeah, do you know what I mean. So it's a very like lift one hundred and one. Like this, it's meant to complement your running. Um, it shouldn't take more than forty minutes of your time. That's the like stand gold standard if you're just looking for something to supplement your running. And I don't do any type of evaluation. If someone emails me and they're like, oh, I don't have this or this bothers my hip, like what could I do? I'll offer a suggestion. But when it comes to more of the customized options, then yeah, I'll do a virtual consultation, um, a virtual screen movement just to see how they move overall. Um, I'll ask about injury his- history. And then correct based on their history, oftentimes I'm just starting them on a basic program. And that is the intention for that is really work capacity. So it's like in order to get to to point Y, we have to start at point A and B because you're in order to get there. It's not just a, um, it's not just learning the proper movements. So like this is the thing I, tr- I try to talk about a lot. There's five major movement patterns. Lifting looks really complicated and overwhelming, but there's a squat, a hinge, a push, a pull, and a carry. Some people classify a lunge as the sixth one, but that's it, right? So like if you know the five major movement patterns, you can do anything in the gym. And once you cut it down to that, it's not so scary anymore. And the other part that I've seen b- this year working with more people who want to do strength is people learning how to lift heavy is a skill. So it's not just about learning the squat, hinge, push, pull, and carry. It's also learning how to push yourself in those, via those modalities. So like, you know, as runners, we know how to go to a track and push, and we know how to embrace pain. We know how to do strides and stuff like that, but we don't necessarily know how to push weight. So that's a whole nother, that's why it's really hard being a strength coach in a running world because a lot of runners, A, don't want to do, don't want to lift. 
But B, to get to that point of learning the skill of actually lifting heavy takes time. And then finally, in order to gain the strength where you're actually like, oh yeah, I feel, I feel that. That actually takes, I would argue like four to eight weeks. So by that time, I've lost like 50% of interest of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so especially when it comes to something like performance training, because it's not like running training. It's not super exciting. You know, it's like sets of uh, like three to four sets or five sets of reps that are like, you know, depending on what you're doing, like lower, lower reps. And it's not the, the rush that you're going to get from like yeah. a CrossFit or an orange theory, you know? So this type of performance training is a hard sell, <laughs> but the people who, who buy it, the people who get it and really like focus on it do really well. See, I've been really enjoying it for that reason. Like today, for instance, I didn't run today. I ran yesterday. I'm trying to kind of do every other day to keep injuries away. And I just lifted and I did, I did biceps and back. Those are my two categories that I did. And I loved that I wasn't going to be having those, that like intensity that I was going to have sure. on like heart rate wise on like a running workout. Yeah, I was working hard and I was burning and it was tough, but it's a different feeling mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a nice break from running. At least for me yeah. right now, that's what I'm feeling. Agree. Plus you don't have to mess up your hair. <laughs> I, well, I'm not going to lie. Actually, before I, I met up with my two girlfriends that I, I lift with and I said, um, I'm going to take a shower at the beginning of the day. So I'm hoping mm -hmm. to not get so sweaty that I have to shower again. <laughs> and yeah. we, we lift in a garage with the door up. So it's like kind of cold right now. So yeah. I was thinking, I was banking on like that chilly air. Yeah. And I did pretty good. I got sweat a little bit, but not enough that I need another shower. <laughs> yeah. Agree. I'm like totally, we don't have AC in the gym. So in the winter, in the summer, it's like, no, like you just, you need sweat a shower when you, yeah. yeah. When you walk in, you sweat. And nowadays I'm just like, all right, I can get by with just like freshening up and going along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank a sponsor for this episode. And that is Prevenex. I have been using Prevenex since June and man, their products work. They're amazing. I use their multivitamin, their Joint Health Plus, their protein powder. And I wanna tell you about this Joint Health Plus. It is clinically proven to reduce joint pain and stiffness and improve joint flexibility in just seven to 10 days. My joints have never felt better. I am a huge believer in this product. It's natural and it has clinically proven anti-inflammatory. It protects your joints from damage due to exercise, which will help you have longevity in the sport, which is what we all really want, right? Uh, I have to read this, okay? This is from a buyer who used my code, who is using the Joint Health Plus. She's 58 and she says she has zero joint pain after one month. She says she's making the switch, that it's worth it, and she didn't believe that this supplement could make a difference. But after the switch from her old supplement, she has zero joint issues and I'm running better than ever before. Seriously, when I read that, it made me so, so happy. And we're also seeing so many repeat customers who buy this product and keep buying it because it actually works. If you are looking for a new place to get your vitamins and supplements, look no further than Prevenex. Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER and you will get 15% off your order. 
All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Mary Johnson. All right, Mary, so say someone has never really strength trained before and they want to just get started. What do we do? Good question. And it can be really overwhelming, especially right now, because there's a lot of information out there. So first you want to think about the movement patterns. Once you know how to squat, hinge, push, pull, and carry, you know everything. You don't, you you know, you've got the world in your hand there. After that point, you want to think about equipment. So in an ideal world, we would have the gym. We would, you know, for those of you making home gyms, you would put in a rack, a squat rack, a bar, free weights. Um, that isn't always ideal. If it is, that's great. But if it's not, then the next best thing I talk to people about is free weights. So um, adjustable dumbbells, adjustable kettlebells, if you aren't able to get your hands on those, having a set, maybe two of heavier uh, dumbbells and you know, heavier is going to be relative per person, but I would say it's anywhere between 30 and 45 pounds, having a couple of the heavier side and then two lighter dumbbells. Um, and then you want to supplement those with a couple of long loop bands. So not the ones with the handles, maybe like a heavier mm-hmm. resistance band, a lighter resistance band, um, a physio ball, and then actually an over the door pull-up bar. They're mm-hmm. pretty inexpensive and available and pull-ups are awesome for runners. Um, And if you're really out of luck, you're not able to find adjustables, you're not able to find dumbbells, free weights, anything, then go to Home Depot, pick up some cinder blocks, um, get a little creative. You can lift kitty litter. You can throw books in a backpack. Um, You know, it is important, though, to remember at that point that you have to reevaluate your goals because in order to create strength, you do have to continue lifting heavier and heavier. So if you are only able to find something that's, um, you know, a couple different cinder blocks, then, you know, you might be more into a maintenance phase and then looking at changing up the tempo and adding reps and and just trying to create strength with what you have or maintain strength with what you have. Um, But from there, you want to think about the exercises and the worst thing that you can do in the programming. And the worst thing that you could do is just kind of do random stuff every week, Mm -hmm. which is, I hear that a lot from people. Mm -hmm. They just, they don't know how to put it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, So the good news about COVID is that there's a lot of different programs out there right now from really great strength trainers um, who know what they're doing in their their performance space. So, you know, CrossFit and Orange Theory, those things are awesome tools to get stronger for sure at first, but there will be a point at which you should follow, like running, a periodized program. Mm -hmm. So whether it's yourself making your own program or buying one of these programs from, um, you know, a downloadable program from a coach online, it's a really good place to start. If you do want to make your own lift program, um, think, you know, four to five weeks of sticking with the same exercises, a really simple rep and set scheme is three by 10, or if you, so three, uh, three sets of 10 reps, or if you have access to heavier weights, you can even build it a little bit more complicated. Um, and you know, start with your priority lift. So if you're lifting two days a week, you want to pick like a squat and a hinge, or you want to pick like a squat and a, a bench press. Um, so pick a priority lift, try to get as heavy as you can go with that first rep. Um, I'm sorry, that first set. So, um, you could even, if you, if you're able to lift around 75, 80% of max, you could even look at a, at a, um, rep scheme of like three to five, which Mm -hmm. is really, you know, pretty, should be pretty tough. Um, and then build the program from there. But I won't go down the rabbit hole of all of the nuances regarding programming, especially because there's some really great resources out there right now. Um, but, you can, you know, if you break it down into movement, equipment, and program, you can pretty much do everything. I love that answer too. And I, and I think that that's the overwhelm is like the main 
issue with getting started. I can't tell you how many years I spent just like going to a gym and staring at things and thinking like, I guess I'll do the leg press. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? Well, and you, you see a lot of complicated things online too and jumpies and, and random like complex movements that are hybrided, like they're just built together and that's fine. You know, it, it'll probably get your heart rate up and get you sweaty, but it's not like, it's very simple. You know, you want to think about the, the muscle groups that you want to target. So, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be as complex as a lot of people on the internet can make it out to be really. Well, and I think too, like you have to, you have to take the time to like come up with a plan because right. so I, you know, it's like anything, it's like making dinner. You want to just walk yes. into the kitchen and make dinner, but you have to like sit down and give yourself a dedicated like hour or whatever yeah. it is to say, okay, what is my, what is my game plan going to be? And I like the idea of that four to six weeks. Cause that's something we can wrap our heads around. I have a question about pull-ups. Yeah. I can't do a pull-up for the life of me. I hate doing pull-ups. I hate trying to do pull-ups. And um, I have, you know, I've heard people say, like, get up there and then, like, to, to get strong enough to do it and, like, slowly let yourself go down mm-hmm. to, like, gain that muscle. What's your best advice for someone trying to conquer one pull-up? <laughs> well, first know that they are really, really hard. Them Pull-ups and push-ups both are extremely hard. So if you're listening and you're not able to do either, that's okay. It takes a while. Um, for pull-ups, the other thing to think about is relative body weight too. So someone who's pretty light might not have too tough of a time getting their body weight up. Um, so really I would stick with whatever progression. So like what you're talking about is like an, like a negative chin up or an eccentric chin up. That's a good place to start. So think about, progressing that. So if you're doing your first week, you're hitting that twice a week and you're going for five times, a slow count time, uh, count down five times. Also remembering to rest adequately in between. Most people don't rest enough if they're building strength. So, you know, upwards to two, three minutes even of rest is even like short. Um, but once you like stick with the eccentrics for four weeks and then change it, then you can put in something like an ISO, so a pause. So you can pause at the top or you can pause midway. Stick with that for three to four weeks. Change it up. Add a band. So like you always want to think about changing up, like stick, sticking with what you're doing and then switching it up. And you can include tempo. You can include reps, even if it means like you do as many as you can do by yourself and then adding a band until failure. You know, like you can kind of get creative, but whatever you choose to do, make sure that it's logical in progression and you're not just like trying to get up there and not working and getting frustrated. But like if you actually have a plan and you continue working at it, you definitely will get stronger. And also um, if you even, you know, what you were saying, Lindsay, is like, you know, you made the motion of like, like pulling your scaps down. So basically like getting out of like getting out of that shoulder um, um, hunch because a lot of people mm. will just kind of use biceps mm-hmm. and biceps are really small. They can't pull your body up. So really using your back, like learning how to use your back mm. as you pull yourself up is a really good practice. So if you Google something like scap pull up, that's a really good place to, to just even start making that coordination connection um, to use your back to start making that movement as opposed to your bicep, which is a really tiny muscle. Okay. So I've never strength trained or I haven't in like 10 years. I want to start tomorrow. Give me three exercises to do. Squat, number one. And it can look different for different people because I think a lot of times I hear people say, I'm squatting wrong. And that's not true. Mm. It just takes a little bit of practice and it's going to look a little different based on your 
um, based, based on your biomechanics. Um, so a squat, a push-up, push-ups are amazing. Um, they're also really hard to do. So have no shame in your game if you need to elevate those and start learning how to position your pelvis better and really learn how to control your core. That's a, if you're on the ground doing push-ups and you can't even, you know, feel your core contract, raise it up. I love raising up push-ups. Um, you can start with a bench or even higher. You can do it against a wall. Um, and then lastly, I would learn how to hinge. Um, hinging is a, is really hard and, um, you know, it takes a bit of, um, learning and the, the mind body connection. Um, but along with hinging, you could just carry. So when you carry something and you can practice this at home, pick up something heavy. Like I immediately think of kitty litter, but like mm. something heavy in your house and then put, put it away from your body and see what happens. Mm. I guarantee you're going to feel your entire core and probably your glutes light up because in order to keep that kitty litter where it is, those have to contract. So carries are so simple, but they're so beneficial. And you can just carry something from one from point A to point B. And the heavier you get, the further away from the, your body you get, the more stability you're going to create. And then you can even start putting running based um, or running focused exercises in it. So like marching with a kitty litter box in front of you, right? So now you're balanced. You, you need to balance a little mm. bit. You've got your core involved. You've got your glutes involved. Like carrying is incredible, not just for, um, you know, regular people at the gym, but especially for runners. And when you say hinge, are you talking like doing deadlift type things? Yeah. Hinge and so hinge and lunges kind of go hand in hand. Um, so yeah, I like a deadlift, um, an RDL, a rack pull. Um, again, they, they get a little bit trickier, especially because a lot of people, if you're doing it incorrectly, it could cause back soreness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so you just want to make sure that you, you start down the best way to, if you don't know a movement, start from the ground up. So mm -hmm. like you can, if no one knows how to hinge, you can start tall kneel and just reach your butt back mm -hmm. and start learning how to kind of break your body in half from the knees. And then once you get your, your stand up, get your feet involved, gets even harder. So learn that. But if you have no idea how to do it, like start from the ground, build up and it takes time. Yeah. I, um, I appreciate you saying that about squats too, because I posted a video one time and I was like, don't judge my form. And you messaged me and you were like, your form looks great. And it's so true because all of our biomechanics are so different. And like, I'm focusing on certain uh, squats so hard to like not stick my butt out so far, but there's only so much I can do without falling <laughs> down. Yes. And so I know that it doesn't look perfect, but I'm certainly like focused on making it, um, the correct form so that I don't injure myself. And also the hinges, like the, um, deadlifts that you're talking about. I'm always so paranoid that like my back's not mm. straight enough and then I'm bending. And those mm -hmm. are really those, the form on that is, is difficult. Well, you also have to remember that your form is going to not it'll change a little bit, mm -hmm. um, based on how you're loading it. Yeah. Okay. So like if you're doing a back squat, then yeah, you're, it's the natural thing that your body will do is your chest will go down because the weight is on your back. Whereas I really, I, I only program front squatting for mm. runners because mm. it's so, so beneficial to get the core involved. Um, and what you'll find when you front load a, a, a squat. So that's talking like a goblet squat, mm -hmm. um, a front rack, or you can do what's, what's called a zercher where the, I, do, I show a lot of this on Instagram sometimes where you put the bar in the crook of your elbows. Mm. Um, 
But what you what happens there is that you have to get tall, you have to get your core engaged. So it totally changes the way it looks. So you can't compare yourself to somebody else because you're doing a back squat um, and somebody else is doing a front squat. And the same goes for hinging. Like if you're hinging, I'm sorry, if you're deadlifting with a a trap bar, it's totally different. You know, the the weight is totally, you know, it's displaced all around your body as Mm -hmm. opposed to just the front if you're doing like a a regular deadlift, you know, Mm -hmm. so take into account where the load comes from. Don't get overwhelmed. You know, it's still the same movement, but you can load it differently. And that's where lifting gets like geekily fun for me. (laughs) I need to get one of those smaller bars for the front because we just have the big 45 pound bar. Um, And I I have done front squats before. We did sumo squats yesterday and oh my gosh, the inner thigh Mm-hmm. It is, I'm so sore, but if it's in such a good way, I'm like, ah, I feel so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, it's, you know, that's the other thing. A lot of times people complain about the soreness and they, they have a hard time getting past the soreness yeah. of like that first lift. And there is certainly what's called like a shock, mm-hmm. um, like a body shock the first time you lift. And it's important a, not to get discouraged. <laughs> um, but B to just kind of like take it pretty chill with your running that week as your body is adapting to that new load and the new stress and then don't give it up. Um, but, and also remember to consider your recovery habits. So like make sure sleep's in line, make sure you're drinking plenty of water, you're taking your vitamins, all of that good stuff. Um, but if you're sore and you're like, screw this, I'm never going back. Like, <laughs> Don't get discouraged. Keep going. Just work on your recovery. Run slower. Embrace it. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm about to – because I did um, legs yesterday. I'm about to go do 30 minutes, and I'm probably going to run a 10-minute mile, and it's going to be really enjoyable, yeah. actually. Yeah, good. To yeah, just run I, easy, yeah. It's. I mean, that's the other thing. I feel like it's such a satisfying yeah, feeling. Yeah, it's like, oh, I just get to, like – I just get to like jog this and it's going to flush everything out a little bit. And also there's no thought of anything, any, any kind of pace. It's no. just, just go run. See, okay. it's how it should always be. <laughs> yes. Okay. Mary, I want to talk about your personal success right now. Mm. You freaking just ran in 1831 5k. I was telling Glenn about it. If listeners don't know, Glenn is my husband and he's like, am I going to have to put some work in to beat Mary now? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think he ran a rambling runner virtual 5k this spring. And I can't remember. I, I feel like his time was pretty darn close to 1830. What, what's that per mile? Uh, 558, I think. I mean, you, you don't even have a six as the first number. That's how fast I know that blew my mind. I didn't, (laughs) I, I I finished the, like I saved it on my watch and I was like, Ooh, it starts with a five now. Yeah. Oh (laughs) yeah. Okay. So baby building back up from injury, you have been so patient. When did you start sprinkling speed back in? I've kind of watched you get fast these last couple of months and like really, um, get fit as far as speed goes. How did this all happen? I, I mean, for all of us, it kind of looks like, Whoa, where'd this come from? But this has been a huge work in progress. I mean, I think after having a baby, I was, you know, with the whole strength stuff, I really abandoned running. I was kind of like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to run fast again or, you know, be able to even think about the times I was looking at a few years ago. So I abandoned expectations and I just said, I'm going to dedicate myself to just being strong and pain-free 
so that's where it started. Um, I started running with a Timex. Um, so that's the other thing. Mm. I was like, I was not socially connected. I just had a Timex for the first, I would say, three, four months of running because I just didn't care. I didn't want to know. Um, I work with David Roach as my coach and he like encourages <laughs> the use of a Timex. Um, everything has been done by effort and time. Um, and so finally when I charged my GPS watch for the first time in four years, <laughs> even I was like, oh cool, I'm running faster than I have before. Um, but again, this was, a, I really think it was a product of being strong. I mean, it, it came from abandoning the hope of running working on strength training because then when I finally started running, it felt good. Mm. No one wants to run in pain. No one wants to run and it doesn't feel good. But running did feel good again. And not, like, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like, oh, I started and I like PR'd. It was magical. Like, that's yeah. bullshit. <laughs> that's like not real at all. I started and it was hard for sure. But I think especially not knowing pace, I was just kind of like feeling so lucky and thankful to have the gift of running. Mm -hmm. And I had the perspective of not running for many years and running with pain for many years. And um, then I didn't have it. And so then finally, when Speedwork started, so David had me literally doing 10 and 15 minute runs for weeks. Oh, my God. <laughs> like weeks. And like how many is, days a week? Starting, I would say like two to three. Okay. Like literal rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Like very rock I, I actually need to go back and and kind of like look at it all that it's so different um because I didn't even that was the other thing the change I would say is that like for the first time in a very long time I just like when I finish my run I wrap it up in a little with a bow and I just put it to the side and that's with David that's encouraged it's very much like running is your gift and it's your time and when you're done with it let's move on to the next thing you have in the day mm. and that's really cool I love that um and especially being a like mom and I had like, I'm not the same person that I was in 2016. Like I've got a lot of shit to do. Not like I didn't before, but um, it's different it's, shit. It's different. Literally. It's different shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like literally handling a little boy's shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he started with uh, hill strides. Um, I would say a few months later, um, the number one, difference between my training ever and now is hills hill strides strides oh my god I never skip them and I don't like them how many do <laughs> you I, normally do um I would say between four and six ranging okay. from 20 to 30 seconds okay David is very big on putting them in towards um towards the end of a run yeah. so you run easy for majority of the run you do your hills um and you finish and then the real workouts started as hills. So starting with like one minute, 90 second hills, two minute hills. So lots and lots of hills. And then um, finally starting with really simple fart licks, like a minute on, two minutes on. That's what I did all spring. And in fact, leading up to the 5Ks, I've done like five tempos. Like I wow. don't anymore. Yeah. It's crazy. Tempos That's are why, intimidating too. They're intimidating. And what I've learned is that they really, and David has, has taught me, they really beat up your body, which again, mm -hmm. we all know this, mm -hmm. but I think we think that tempos, you must do tempos in order to be fast. And that's not true at all. Mm. So yeah, when I ran, so the, I ran 1851, 52 in September, not 
having any idea of what my fitness was because I didn't tempo. Literally, the longest tempo I did up to that point, I did a 15-minute um, – I did one 15-minute tempo and one 25-minute tempo. That's it. You know what tempos do for me, though? They help me mentally because I'm like, man, if I can, like, hammer it pretty good for five miles, that, like, really boosts my confidence, I think. But they are super intimidating, and I totally see where you're coming from when you say they beat up your body because they're real mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, they're hard. And, um, I mean, I guess physiologically speaking, they're not as polarizing as – running your easy days really easy mm-hmm. and then running your hard days at that interval pace. So yeah, I mean, I would say leading up to the second, the 1830, I did, <laughs> I didn't tempo, but I did a few five minute pieces. Yeah. <laughs> those yeah. are, those are a lot. Um, and it's all by effort. So especially through the summer, like I didn't really look at my watch much. I just kind of went out there and David is a huge pusher of just embracing what you've got on any given day and don't like there is a lot of significance of running at 80% of effort because it's sustainable mentally, physically. So just show up, give what you got and move on. I love that because I think people try to be workout heroes and, Mm. you know, try Mm -hmm. to finish that workout. Like I gave it 110%. Mm-mm. And not that there's anything wrong with working hard, but man, you'll run yourself into the ground that doing that. Yeah, it really is an art to to, yeah. to train um, to not race your training. That's what yes. this has taught me, and it's really valuable as a coach too, because this is now something that I'm I'm improving as a coach and getting better, and something that I try, especially now during COVID. That's like you know we're all just in it for the long haul, mm-hmm. so like let's all show up and embrace 80% and just give it what you've got on any given day. And that's enough. Yeah. Okay. So as you have added in more running, what, like what's your mileage per week, give or take usually right now? So I'm around, uh, 45 ish. Okay. Um, I had a couple, it's been like that for a while, which is a lot for me. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to be more comfy around 30, um, and then in the summer we were up in the 40 forties. Um, and I had a couple trail falls <laughs> that was unfortunate. Um, and I built back up and I'm now, I feel like only now I'm feeling like a bit, la- literally last week I wrote in my training log. I was like, I feel comfy at, I think last week I ran like 48. So I finally feel a lot more like comfortable, rested, recovered. Um, but it really took a while to get here for sure. It wasn't like poof. 40s are magical. Like it took a lot of weeks, you know, in the 10, <laughs> 10s. Um, and then, you know, I will say David would bump up mileage pretty aggressively and then just kind of hold it. And okay. for sure, from like a um, recovery standpoint, those were weeks where you have to be really cognizant of sleeping and eating right and all of that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm doing mid forties, I'm doing one workout a week. He just started giving me sometimes a second workout a week. Again, still like interval work. Like last week I had, um, 10 by a minute on uh, a minute off. And then Saturday was a ladder one, two, three, two, one. And like, that's it. (laughs) So in the middle of a uh, long run. Um, yeah, the beginning and that was 14 miles. The other new thing actually is, um, like heavier weekend mileage. Mm -hmm. So like doing a 
you know, 10 to 14, 16 mile Saturday run chased by a anywhere from like nine to 10, eight to 10 mile run the next day. I think that's an ultra tactic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that has been hard to adapt to. But again, I feel like I'm getting there. Uh, When I interviewed David, one of the things I loved that he talked about is the giving, encouraging athletes to all take one complete rest day. (laughs) So do you do that on Mondays then if you're doing those back-to-back heart longer runs on Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. um, So typically like the the swap um, rest day protocol is Monday off. Um, So I have, yeah, I think almost everyone on the the Roach team does Monday off. Oh, that's kind of fun that you're all like resting together. Yeah, it is fun. I will say sometimes I lift on those days, which (laughs) David and I communicate about. He knows he's not, I'm not being like reckless. Um, And in terms of like our, um, you know, the lifting stuff and, and folding that in, that's, as the mileage has gone up, that's been harder for sure. I bet. Um, and David's been really great about observing some of the things I'll say with my training and say, Hey, it looks like you're not recovering. Do you think it's something you did in the gym? Do you think we should reevaluate what your gym goals are? And then it's always really timed well, because then I'll go to Mike and say, okay, let's like, let's talk about how the plan works. So when I say I, you know, lift Monday, I'm barely touching lower body. It's like core and then some upper body, which again, David, if you talk to him about it, he's typically like, yeah, if you go for a walk or you do some type of like, you don't touch from your hips down. He's okay (laughs) with that. (laughs) But another thing he preaches is like neuromuscularly. So your, your nervous system just needs to not. I love that. Yeah. So that I will say as I've gone up in volume, that is a hundred percent true. And so where I mentioned before, I'm talking to Mike on Thursday, I'm literally going to say to him, I need a rest day. Like I feel better if I do nothing one day. So let's figure out how, how the lifting can fold in as a priority on top of that. So it is, it is definitely significant to have a day where your nervous system just chills. Yeah. I love that concept. Um, so, but you say, I I've heard you mention this a lot too, that you're not doing nearly as much with like the leg workouts with lifting and stuff now that you've increased your mileage and you're doing all these, you know, actual running workouts, but how do you balance that? Because, um, you know, I always hear that, you know, doing those explosive movements and, Mm. you know, plyometrics and, and things with your legs are going to help you be a faster runner. So how do you know when to like back off and when to bring it back? Because there's Mm -hmm. seasons and ebbs and flows for everything. Well, that's the point, right? Like there are seasons for that. And depending on where you are as a runner, that's when you should incorporate heavier strength training, more plyometric training, more explosive work. So if you're looking at higher mileage and increasing volume, and I would like personally, I'm hoping to do a solo effort for a longer distance in the spring, that's not on my agenda right now. You know, Mm -hmm. whereas three to four months ago when I was running a bit less mileage, I was looking to recruit more muscle fibers on the, on the gym days, like the explosive work did was necessary. So that concept of looking at each season is really important for runners to understand. It isn't just strength training, right? It's how does the strength training support your running? And so you know, a lot of people will push back of like, yeah, actually taking time after after a race to 
maybe run 20 miles a week, but then lift Mm -hmm. three days a week, do the things that are really like offensive to the body that are hard to recover from. But when the running comes back, that will have made you better. So like that evaluation of like where you are in your cycle of life and training is really important. I love that. Okay, Mary, what you, you kind of just like barely mentioned something in the spring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would (laughs) like to, I I feel really unfinished with the marathon. So I, whether it is a solo effort or, um, there's an organization on the East coast that's doing a really good job at safe, um, events. I think at this point I wouldn't feel comfortable going anywhere, uh, flying anywhere, you know, to do an event like that. Um, but there is a group, um, I believe based in New Hampshire that's putting on a race, um, in April. Um, so that's on my radar, but in terms of like, I don't really, I'm at the point where I'm just like, I don't freaking care. I'm just going to go throw down a marathon. And, and it really didn't interest me for a long time, but I'm like, what's stopping me, right? Like I have enough friends and family who could be, we have a canal trail that's paved here. Like there's really nothing stopping me from just going and training and doing it. And I, I'm really excited to, to think about that. So that's kind of where I'm looking towards. And, um, I I hate running in the winter and I think it would be something to make me kind of like motivated and get me out the door. You guys, during this conversation, I have seen it get dark out Mary's window. <laughs> we started this call at four and it's five, like a little after four, it's five oh seven and it is dark. Oh yeah. my gosh. See, yeah. we, we're an hour behind you. I mean, we're, it's the same time, but you guys mm-hmm. get dark so, so much sooner because it's five where you're at, right? Yeah. Yep. It's bad. It's, so I mean, that's the thing, right? It's, <laughs> what time does it get dark where you are? About six. Oh, so, wow. I know. Because <laughs> it's, I'm looking out the window and yeah, we still have plenty of daylight, but it's, it's going to go quick. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like the sun was shining <laughs> when we started the call. And I mean, that's part of the reason that it's so hard to run in the winter, yeah. though. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard to be motivated to go so run short. in the dark cold. I really, I'm from outside of Syracuse, New York. And so people are like, oh, you must love the winter months. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> but then people are like, why do you still um, live in Connecticut then? <laughs> I know. I know. Love. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, it's that, especially, I will say we've had, we've been lucky with winters. They haven't been too bad. Um, But if you get a bad winter here, it's like, it's bad. I mean, there was a winter. I remember this because I was living with my in-laws. They didn't plow for days and I was stuck so bad. I mean, I absolutely love my in-laws, but you know, it was a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of together time. There's a lot together time. <laughs> We're all learning to love the together time with our immediate families right now, at least. <laughs> well, I am just so excited. Last question. Are you and Lauren with um, Lauren Flores, obviously. So Lauren used to coach with Mary with Lift, Run, Perform. And now Lauren has her own coaching business up and running. Um, and so last year, you guys kind of did this under Lift, Run, Perform. But are you two up and running and lift and perform coming together to do this sub three group again? A hundred percent. Yes. So yeah, yeah, we wouldn't, I mean, I think both Lauren and I could speak to the fact that it was one of the most exciting Mm. days of our coaching careers. It was honestly like, and you know, we talked earlier about like, how was it to see other people like to lift other people up and like, 
that day, the sub three day in Indy last year was like, I had run a marathon. Mm -hmm. Like I was exhausted. I was so happy. I had cried. I had, you know, everything except like vomit goo. Like I, (laughs) it was like the best, the best day. And, um, we uh, we're absolutely going to do it again, hopefully in the fall. Um, we certainly have talked about doing something on a virtual level. Again, I think there's, there's enough, like at this point, there's enough interest in doing solo virtual stuff. It's not the same, which, you know, there was that emotion of like running side by side with someone. And the reason we started this was like, so these women could lift each other up when things got really hard at mile 18, 20, 22. Um, so that necessarily won't be happening if if we did a virtual thing, but the specialness of getting people together to to focus around a specific goal is like really just the best. It's the best to to work with other people, to encourage other people, to lift them up, to have each other on your side and your team. You don't have to be next to each other. So we've talked about doing something virtual as well as in person. Um, so I don't know what it's going to look like. We just started like re-talking about it. Um, cause at first we thought maybe a fall 2020 race would happen. <laughs> that was optimism. <laughs> we had no um, idea where we were headed. Oh my gosh. We, I mean, we really were like, we, we, we tried connecting with race directors and we knew it wasn't good news when they were like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Like nobody had any idea what they were going to decide. Yeah. So yeah, this is to say, hundred percent. We're going to team together. Um, what it's going to look like. I'm not sure, but TBD. Yeah. And for those listening, if you don't know the sub three project, they had a group of women, uh, trying to break three hours in the marathon. And in 2019, how many women did it? How many women came with the sub three project? And then a good handful, I think what six actually ran the sub three. Um, five, five ran a sub three, all nine PR'd. Um, and I would say those who did not hit sub three were like three, three Oh one, three Oh two. Like it was, and, and of the nine, there was, there was one woman who had a not great day, but still PR, you know, it right. was like, it was literally like a fairy tale ending. And I don't know there as a coach, you, you put so much into the training and you just hope for the best and you pass along as much knowledge as you can and you don't know what's going to happen and the fact that that day happened like it did was really amazing it was so exciting to watch too (laughs) you guys all stayed at my house and we all got out and ran around the course together and everybody was kitted out in their red tops like they looked so put together like this is a team yeah that was the cool I think that's what would be a bummer from a virtual perspective Mm -hmm. um you know, because it was really cool to have those women on the line dressed together. They quote unquote knew each other from the virtual setting. We had our race plan was to give them a buddy and have them run with their buddy the whole time, which, you know, in concept, it was nice, but they really raced most of it together. And it was just like, who doesn't want to have a team when they go to a marathon, you know, like that's freaking awesome. So yeah, I think, I also, I'll tell you, I have dreams of doing other things, not just three. Like I would love to do sub four, sub three thirty, like whatever. And honestly, before, um, COVID that was a, that was a plan. Like I was coming, like, I really wanted to do what's called like pods, um, and have people just like team together and, and accomplish these goals. But, um, I think down the line, 
um, that's something, that's the direction that I want to go. Like, I want to do more team oriented stuff, no matter how fast or slow you are. Like, let's get together, train with women or, uh, uh, I think the women, women to women thing is, is really special. I agree. Um, and, and then, and then meet at a race and throw down. Yeah, because you go to a big race and at least in previous times, there's always a pacer, you know, like people are looking for Mm -hmm. the pacers and they're thinking, I'm going to go with this pace group and to just be able to say, I'm going to go with my team. Like we're all training for sub 330 together. That would Mm -hmm. feel really cool. Especially because you never know what pacers are going to do and you never know what your team would do. But when you all have similar training and then like, let's just look at what professionals do. The professionals at the top go for a negative split strategy and yep. typically these pacers do not, you know, so when it even comes to pacing a marathon, like I wouldn't even recommend sticking with one because you don't know what the heck they're going to do or how they're going to perform. And some go out like a bat out of hell. So yep. like to be next to someone who's got the same race plan as you too, and then you can share the whole experience ideally together. Like that's awesome. And then to fin- like, you know, you've seen the pictures, like to have your person on the other side of the line, like giving you a huge hug. Who doesn't want that? It was all worth it for the pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Those pictures are amazing. I mean, I, I, they're so good. We got really lucky that that woman who was there taking photos. Was it the Indianapolis star photographer? It was. I mean, it must've been those red kits. Like she was like, I got to get this. I mean, well, and I think it did. I think either you or Lauren said that. Um, I think the race director was like, "Get this, get this." Oh go. yeah, <laughs> it was Lauren because I wasn't down at the finish line. Yeah, so you know he was definitely pushing for us for sure. Yeah, but that's awesome. I was thinking of hiring a photographer, I was like, "Should we have a photographer?" Like, I feel like this should be a good idea. And then we really just lucked out. Got some. Yeah, you so. saved some money on that. That's good. <laughs> I listen I contacted her and offered I was like can I pay someone like can I and she was like just use them (laughs) that's so nice yeah yeah what was her name do you remember oh my gosh no I'd have to go back I like I sought her out through Instagram like messaged her didn't put anything up until I like got a hold of her I think I'm not a photographer obviously um but I think there's like when you work for a for a publication, there's special, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's special rules. So I, She's getting I mean, paid through the indie star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Mary, we're just really nice in Indiana. It's just, I, it's just Indiana hospitality. It's true. <laughs> Midwest come, is best. I come to your house. You feed me, you give me wine. <laughs> it's literally, it's like even Gabe, my Gabe, oh, is Gabe like, spent oh, the night. Leave. Yeah. Gabe, Gabe, like hung out with Sandy. <laughs> Did he baby? He did. He babysat Sandy for a little bit. I was like, don't, you don't need to know anything. Just make sure he stays alive. Gabe loved it. He was like playing trains with Sandy because Eli was still like a little like vegetable at that point. Uh And so Sandy was like playing cars and trains with Gabe. He was in heaven. Oh my gosh. That's too, too good. Um, Okay. Well, I'm sad we didn't get to do indie this year because we I had you guys here two years in a row. So fingers crossed that 2021 we can have another Midwest meetup. It's it's really a highlight, and it's flat where you live, so it's very flat. To very <laughs> it's not flat. flat Connecticut. All right, if you guys aren't already following Mary on Instagram, I don't know why you're not. You probably already are, but. It's a marathon. Go follow her. Check out her reels and (laughs) cheer for her training. Yay.
Thank you. It was so good to see your face and talk. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Mary. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Mary, for coming on the show. You're amazing. You can follow Mary on Instagram. She is It's a Marathon over there. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626, as well as Twitter. Mary might have made fun of people still on Twitter, but I am a Twitter loyalist. I love Twitter. I'm Lindsay Hine over there. We have a Facebook page and group for this podcast. Definitely find us. If you are a parent or someone helping raise parents, raise parents, (laughs) raise kids, uh, make sure you check out my new parenting podcast. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? I can't be the only parent that says that all the time. Uh, That's part of the Sandy Boy Productions Network. We also have the Up and Running podcast over there as well as the Illuminate podcast. We'd love to have you check us out and um, definitely look up Sandy Boy and Why Is Everyone Yelling on Instagram. We've got accounts going over there where you can stay up to date on all the newest information with those shows. You can find everything Mary and I talked about at lindsayhine.com. Don't forget to check out that Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. When you use the code HINE, that's my last name, H-E-I-N, you can get $25 off your registration And a big thanks to Gooder and Prevenex for supporting this podcast. That code for those sponsors is another to get your discount there. You all have a really great rest of your day. I am so appreciative that you're here, that you're spending your time with me. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great rest of your Friday, a wonderful weekend, and I will see you next Friday.